Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. My guest today is Chad Everett. Chad has over 25 years of executive leadership experience and has been blessed to work with some of the world's largest organizations, with Fortune 500 companies, multi-billion dollar government agencies, and even renowned nonprofit organizations. He currently serves as the CEO and president of Infinite Kingdom. Infinite Kingdom is a multimedia startup poised to launch the first ever AAA video game series based on inspirational storylines found in ancient texts. Full disclosure, I am a co-founder of Infinite Kingdom with Chad Everett, so biased to think it's pretty awesome. In the early 90s, Chad began his career as a managing partner of a fleet service company that managed vehicles for Fortune 500 companies. During his time with the company, he launched one of the first ever online fleet maintenance programs. Yes, back in the 90s, thinking online. His company was responsible for managing over $250 million of vehicle inventory. In 2007, he sold that company and joined the executive team of a consulting firm that's highly regarded based out in Folsom, California. And he oversaw their business development team, was the CEO in waiting, and personally did a lot of strategic services for various Fortune 500 companies, private companies, government agencies, NGOs. He authored some, a bunch of their leadership materials, pretty sweet run. And in 2014, Chad felt called to go serve as the Educational Media Foundation, which runs some massive radio stations uh, called K-Love and Air One. He was a part of their executive team and served as their chief strategist. His responsibilities were the strategic management division and worked directly with the board. In 2018, Chad joined Gateway Church, one of the largest churches in the world and a leader and influencer of a lot of other Christian nonprofits. And he oversaw the Kingdom Business Leader program that they have. Kingdom Business Leader is a highly sought after church-based program. It's growing like crazy. So if you're looking for a way to work with business leaders and purpose, a great group, I recommend checking them out not directly involved in them, just a fan. And Chad continues uh, to build companies, coach, consult, and do strategy. Um, He grew up in a a really rich family environment that made a massive life change, a little teaser there. But he's got a wonderful story and God really taught him some cool things out of it. Chad and his wife, Sandy, live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area with their four children, and they enjoy all things in the performing arts, musicals, storytelling, books, sports, it's a pretty active life. So with that, welcome my friend, Chad. Chad, it is always fun hanging out with you. And man, we've, we've got to be more than just friends. We've worked on multiple projects together, including Infinite Kingdom. Pretty excited about what's happening there. That's, that's super fun. Man, I just have to tell you, Absolutely. Um, in case my mom's listening to this, see all those years <laughs> of video game play did pay off, right? Like I wasn't. <laughs> Come on. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's not a waste of time. It's well, time well spent. Yes. That's right. I mean, okay, let's be honest. Maybe some of that was time poorly spent because I was, you know, supposed to be writing my paper for school. But but well, well any <laughs> any good thing overdone is bad, right? Dang so it. that's that. There you go. There it is. So okay. hey, it's not that it's bad, maybe it's just overdone. Yeah, that's fair. Because honestly, we think, forget about this. We don't think about dose in lots of things, right? Did you know you can die of drinking too much water? 
Yeah, exactly. Water's necessary for life, but there is a point at which even that is too much. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Everything in moderation. Yes. Yes. So, um, video games in moderation. That's I'm, I'm all in for that. (laughs) Of course, now my definition of moderation versus, uh, say, Hey, it's all up for grabs. It's all interpretation. (laughs) It's going to be okay. That's right. Oh man. So, um, Man, you have had a really interesting career ride, right? Like the the diversity of roles you play and and kind of zigzagging. How much of that was just um, random, and how much of that was like thoughtful, planful stuff? That's you know that's an excellent question. I'm not sure I've had that question presented to me. This is what I can tell you, and, and I think you're similar in this way, Scott. And by the way, it's great. I mean, like you said earlier, you've had great connection and it's been, it's great to be on your program. Uh, probably like you, Scott, I'm one of these guys that can sniff opportunity. Mm. And I don't know if that's just the way that, you know, God made me. I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm a person of faith. I don't know if that's just a, a way of, I've just seen him orchestrating things and me gravitating to those, but I've always mm. been able to sniff opportunity. And so I'll take it back. You know, I'm, I'm a, coming out of high school and I see this opportunity for this small auto repair shop it was two man at the time and I came in and I was driving parts. I mean, sophomore in high school, ride that till, you know, junior, but saw an opportunity to, to grow it. And so, you know, approached the owner at the time, talked about getting all these different fleets and, you know, different vehicles that we could grab and how we could grow the company. He allowed me the flexibility to go put the marketing plans together, go beat feet, go make relationships. And we took this little two man shop to, close to 20 man shop, 2000 square feet to close to 15,000 square feet. And I'm still in high school. And so coming out of that, out of high school, you know, the choice was I got great grades, uh, you know, on the honor roll, sure. uh, AP courses, you know, apply for great colleges, but had a decision to make, you know, do I go to college the traditional route or do I go into business and, you know, bootstrap. And so a hard choice, but I decided to go do the bootstrap and take college as I go. But I'm not really good at fitting a mold and I'm not really good Mm. at following status quo. I'm good at taking what is the best principles and applying those best principles for max success. But no, I don't think it's ever been orchestrated that on my side. Now, Uh, you know, like (laughs) I, I would say for people of faith, they will know this in the Proverbs that, you know, righteous man steps are order of the Lord. And so Mm -hmm. I do believe that trying to be just, really good at what I do at the time that I'm doing it, it opens up opportunities for other yeah. things. Yeah. It does. That if you, if you steward well and you pay attention well to the things that you're placed in your hands, that opportunity exists or presents itself for greater opportunity. Uh, one person once told me that, you know, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Oh. So I think if you, so I think that if you water the grass where you are, you actually do a great job of setting yourself up for future opportunity. Yeah. So as I look through the, creates opportunity, right? That's right. Success begets success. Opportunity yeah. begets opportunity. And it's about doing your very best with what you've been given that I, I believe opens you up for greater opportunities in the future. Okay. So yes, but I got to go back and call out something that is just baked into your story. I don't even know if you recognize, maybe you do the audacity as a, a high school <laughs> student or audacity as a guy who just graduated high school to say that I can go do this. I mean, 
where does that audacity come from? Is it confidence? Is it, I mean, yeah. What happened pre <laughs> the moment you, you did well with the opportunity? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I think if, if I'm just being completely honest, yeah. let's go back to where my roots are from. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a preacher's kid from rural Michigan mm-hmm. and I'm 12 I'm a hit from the sticks and uh, I'm raised in a village of about 300. Okay. Yeah. And we go, yeah. We, most people's we go, high schools are go, bigger than your town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is small and we go from this place to Berkeley, California. So it's just, just pretty much that. the same as yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. I mean, in all, nope. all, you know, Bible <laughs> belt of America to, you know, the most liberal place and, you know, and, God and love them. Huge. I mean, the school alone is what, like a hundred X years. Oh now. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the graduating class of Berkeley high was 2000, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, exactly. it's, I mean, that was, that was what, how many X times my village. And so, yes. and I think, it, I think there was 300 people on the block I moved into. So mm-hmm. just all the lifestyle changes were different. I mean, the way of being was different. And then my parents put me into a, private high school because they were scared to death of the, of the community <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and i'm not saying any of this is right Scott. no no but culture shock bad. right like it's, it's too total culture shock. yeah so they were scared to death and put me into the high school that was by my standards a very affluent high school mm. and here is a kid that didn't know how to dress like the rest of the kids yeah. you know junior high is rough to begin with right oh. really rough you're not kidding and so didn't know how to dress. Had, my mom bought me, you know, glasses that were two sizes too big because I was going to grow into them. And <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She did me no favors on the cool, you know, cool factor. <laughs> right. And I mean, uh, I just, I did not fit. Dude, I and think I've was, seen this movie, right? Like the hick kid who yeah. shows up in the California high school. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, it's so cliche, but it was just my life. And yeah. I remember going home. I mean, just honest, I remember going home in that time, just crying because I just didn't huh. fit in. Huh. And so what I think about that, and I think about when you take that kid who has a lot of internal drive, just naturally, mm-hmm. and then was very well-liked popular back where he came from, put into this in basically emotionally backed into the corner. Mm. What is, what does a person like that do? They fight. Right. And they, and that's what I did is I fought and mm. I said, I'm never going to let people do this. I'm never going to allow people to label me something. I'm never going to allow people to demean me or belittle me. And yeah. so I, I might not have had everything, but what I knew I had is work ethic and I'm going to outwork everybody mm. and I'm going to prove to them. Now some of this isn't healthy and that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our success is us uh, coping with pain in ways that are productive, right? A hundred percent. And so what I did is I turned all that insecurity into fuel for achievement. Mm. And so I took that insecurity and I said, you know what, I'm, I, you guys can do whatever it is, but I'm going to outwork you. And I did. I mean, I went and I worked, I did at that time, wasn't working at the auto repair shop, but I, I worked construction man, Scott. Okay. I worked construction for 10 hours a day. I biked 15 miles from my house to the job site, worked oh 10 hours a day, like 15 miles back. Oh. And, and in the period of a summer, I read, it was like the rebirth of me. You know, I, and yeah. again, this is really not great from a 
probably emotionally damaging to some regard because, <laughs> because I, you know, bought all the cool clothes. I uh, you know, revamped yes. myself and what it solidified in me and somewhat unhealthy seed is that if I work hard and do some things, then I'll be liked. Mm. And, and mm. so that was kind of the unhealthy side of it, but the healthy side is it really drove a work ethic and a commitment and it's where it fueled the passion to work hard. No, I think this is worth exploring because this, there's a lot in here. I mean, there's the, the mental game. Um, the external game is really a product of this mental game, right? Cause it, you, you just said, yeah. hey, when you get backed into corner, you, you know, what are you going to do? You fight. I, that's not the only option that you have there. There are some people who've been backed in that corner and the, the story they told themselves in that moment was, I guess I'm doomed to be the outcast loser. There's no way I can do anything about this. And instead you told the story that, yeah. that we'll get into maybe the implications of how you explained it, but at least it had some agency had some sense of, I can be an agent yeah. and an actor in my own life. I can do something about this and I'm going to go out and make yeah. something happen. And so that thought process then turns into a whole lot of behaviors like why, why, what high school kids are doing the kind of work you're doing. Well, you had a story, you had a commitment, you had a, a worldview frame that said, okay, this sets me up for this. I mean, the inner life drives all this stuff. There's a lot of people who got back to that corner and didn't tell that same story. They didn't walk yes. out of it with skills and, and clothes. I think a lot of it, Scott, is what I knew I was good at. And so like, I, you've, I'm sure you've read Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. Yeah. And, and great book about what, you know, whether we have a growth mindset or fixed mindset. And I think we, and, and she even says so in her book that you have a little bit of both in your life and just which, which is the more prevailing mindset that you have. You know, I definitely had a growth mindset in the thinking that I, I'm a learner. Mm. I'm, I was, even as a kid, as a voracious reader, and I would just consume, mm -hmm. consume, consume knowledge and information and be able to have this uncanny ability to apply it. I mean, at fourth grade, I had a full lawn mowing company, made a whole bunch of money just doing lawn mowing gigs. And so I knew that if I learned how to do something, I, could, I was a quick learner. And if I applied that, like I knew nothing about marketing and, and when I was at the auto shop, but what I learned when I didn't know how to mow, mow lawns, if I figured it out, well, I can figure out marketing and then apply it over here. Mm. So I had, always had this growth mindset that I'm not where I want to be because I don't know what I need to know yet or know how to apply it yet. But once I know it and once I know how to apply it, yes, I can succeed. And I think it's the difference between yes. having that growth mindset and having that fixed mindset. And I think it's the difference between is life done to you or life done for you. Oh. And, and I think if you have this, that life is done to you and you have this victim mentality, but no, no. Psalms 138 is that your, your steps, you know, he, he, you were created for greatness. And yes. if you live with that mentality that, no, I'm created for something of great value and great purpose that can drive you to want to learn more and to achieve everything that you're supposed to achieve in life. And so I just knew that I'm not where I want to be. This is hard. This is tough, mm -hmm. but life is still worth fighting for. And I can still come out on the other side, man, that you're right. That the growth mindset has been a huge influence on my life and thinking as well. Um, and at the heart of that, I mean, this, this mindset leads to the, the tactics of how to learn, which is a whole other conversation. Maybe we can have, 
Um, but it all assumes that you actually are aware of things to learn and believe it's possible. Because if you don't do yeah. that, then well, well, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you don't yeah. think you can learn, you don't try. And because you don't try, you don't learn. And then you can confirm, see, I was right. I couldn't have learned it anyway. Yes. Right? Versus yeah. if you, think you can learn, you go try things and you learn from them and then you get better. And you're like, see, I knew I could learn that. I mean, it, it's dangerous because whichever one you believe actually becomes true for your life. No, that's a hundred percent true. I mean, if I, you, it's well said, I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If it, and I tell this to my kids all the time. I have four and whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Ooh, that's and good. you can either choose to believe that you can achieve something or go something, or go for something or work towards something. You're hundred percent right. If you believe today is going to be awful and today is going to be a bad day, or you can't do something, mm. you're hundred percent right. But that choice is 100% up to you. Yeah. Okay. So let's go there a little bit because that's one of the things that's on my life. And I'm guessing we're not the only ones wrestling with this is how do I pass this on to, I've got four kids as well. Right. I'm just, I was telling you earlier, I was talking with my son about, um, kind of the, the mental game and how he manages the battle of his own mind. He wants to focus on this. He keeps getting distracted by this. He had a bad experience online with some of his friends and it really upset him how they treated him. And so playing a, an online game, um, it was not infinite kingdom, right? He see, that was his first. <laughs> well, obviously not yeah. playing the wrong game, but yeah, he was pretty, pretty upset about it. And like, just kind of spinning on it. So trying to help him, manage his thought life and decide like, you're just going to sit here and like these friendships are over. Or what are you going to do? And how are you going to pro he's 11 for context. Um, so trying to figure all that stuff out, the, the mental game there, how do you communicate that to your kids? I mean, you say this thing, but I'll, I'll tell you my experience as a parent is um, all my best lectures aren't as effective as I think they are. Right. <laughs> I've got all these like, they're like, dad, okay. He says that thing someday, maybe they'll quote me. Right. But but for the moment, right. I'm looking for any help I can get on how you inculcate. So maybe we can swap tips on how we we work with our kids. What are the mindset things you're teaching them? How are you teaching them that? What what does that look like for you? All right. So I stumbled across a tool that I think is really handy. And I think most errors in life, many of them, come from bad thinking. And what I would call thinking errors. And I, I came across this kind of checklist of thinking errors that I'll go through with my kids. When I, when they, when they come up with something that is, mm. you know, easily as a parent that they are believing a lie of some kind yeah, about themselves, yeah. or they have an inaccurate thought, then I start going through this list. So mm. I'll give you just a couple, right? Yeah, please. So ignoring, ignoring the good. You pay more attention to bad things and nor when something good happens. True. Are we blowing things up? Are we making a really big deal out of something small or even something or making something a little bad, huge? Well, this is exactly what my son was processing is like he focused only on the one friend at the one part of the game that was, uh, you know, a jerk to him and, you know, betrayed him in Minecraft, right? Where like they could kind of do anything. Yeah. Friend blew him up, blew his stuff up. So, okay. Back to the point. Like, well, is that, is that the whole experience you had? And is he always, and what about your other friends? And like, there were a lot of other aspects of your time with your friends that were good. And it's just harder to see those because what's in your face is the, the bad thing. Is that what you're talking about? Right? Yes, exactly. I'll give you another one because I think, oh, man, 
This one is, I find a lot. I find I, I, you and I both deal with a lot of business owners as well. We do a lot of coaching and a lot of strategic people can prognosticate into the future. And when they see this, they look at it with an eye of risk, which mm -hmm. is okay, but risk doesn't mean reality. And so wow. they fall into the trap of fortune telling, thinking, you know, what will happen in the future and it will be bad. Mm. And, you know, I think it was Dale Carnegie that did a research project years ago in his book, how to stop worrying and start living. And in that book, he talks about the statistics on how much of what you worry about actually happens. Huh. And so about 98% of the things that we worry about never happen. And this was done by university. I think it was university wow. of Chicago. So about 98% of everything we worry about doesn't happen. 1% of the things that we worry about that do happen, happen for our good. Hmm. And so, so the other 1% is yeah. what we're really worried about. Now let's just take this on emotional, mental, and physical energy that we spend yeah. travailing over what could possibly happen on a 1% chance of it happening. Is that a good ROI of our energy, yeah. our mental yeah. energy? I mean, there's no chance. It's a it's a terrible, but it's so painfully true, right? So much of our life spent living potential futures that that might have and maybe and yeah. So so what I so what I tell my children, I said instead of taking all the emotional energy and worry about the one percent, take your emotional energy and if you're going to paint a story, paint a good one mm. because you're actually. 98% more likely to be right on your good story than you are on your negative story. Yeah. And so let's paint what's likely that could happen because then what happens is then if I can visualize, and this is, you know, neuroscience too, if I can yeah. visualize with great clarity, what it is I want to see happen, then what is it? The reticulating system in the brain? I can't, mm. I'm going to get that wrong, but somebody smarter than I is going to get it right. Sure. Sure. Uh, actually is inactivated to then go to help you find the things that you are visualizing. It's much like when like you, you like Porsches. I like Porsches. One day I want to buy a Porsche 911 turbo. And so when <laughs> I think about Porsche 911 turbos, guess what? Now I see almost all the suddenly time. there's Porsches all over the place. Uh, suddenly yeah. there's Porsches all because the reticular activating system says, Chad likes the Porsches. He mm. wants to see the Porsches. Mm. So if I can visualize the story, then I'm activating my mind to go find what it is that I'm telling myself. So opportunity, we started by saying, you see opportunities, man. I think yes. this is part of maybe not the whole equation, but it's gotta be a big variable of how you have the ability to see opportunity is you have not already committed a huge amount of resources that most people are already like their brain is stuck on these worry loops and yes. by freeing yourself up to not be spending that you have time and energy to look for positive possibilities just by not allowing these things to kind of uh, park in your head and, and stay there permanently. That's a hundred percent true. And uh, look, I'd be remiss if I didn't share with your audience that the reason I can have that is because my fundamental core tenet of what I've based my life on yeah. is Romans eight twenty eight. Hmm. And, and if you want to look that verse up, it says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. I just believe, I'm firmly believer that if you know your purpose in life, if yeah. you know what it is that you are uniquely gifted and created to do, that you have a reason for being, that you have a reason for being on this planet at this point in time, in this point of existence, for yeah. the history of mankind, then 
you live with an expectation that life is done uh, for you, not to you. Mm. That that I've been placed in such a time and such a in a season that my life is intended to create great value mm -hmm. that blesses not only me but those around me. Then you live with expectation, not with fear. And I think I live with a lot of expectation. Now, is there fearful moments? Of course. Yeah. yeah. But. but but if you can learn to help your body realize in your mind and your emotions to realize that the same fear that you experience climbing up a roller coaster to the sudden exhilaration, it's the same fear that you would fear in other situations. It's just a difference of perspective. Yeah. And if you can take what you're worried about and change it into excitement and help your body to understand this is the adrenaline that's going to be needed for me to go to the next level of my life. Yeah, that's a, that's a difference of viewpoint. Oh, I, I can relate to that really vividly. Um, so a part of my background, back when you were doing construction, I was doing theater. I was in uh, pretty much the same hard work. I mean, it's that was a lot more fun. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's be honest. You definitely <laughs> got the rougher end of the deal on that one. Um, but I I I grew up on stage. I mean, I did my first speaking role when I was four. I was winning competitions at 10 by high school. I was on an NBC Christmas special. I I've, I've done 60 plus different live shows, not, not individual performances like show and each show would have dozen performances. So tons of tons of stuff. Right. So I say all that to say people like, man, I, I just, I wish I didn't get nervous like you, right? Like I wish I didn't get afraid getting on stage like you. And honestly, the truth, I gotta be like, well, hold on, hold on. I still have probably the exact same physical reactions you do. My heart rate speeds up, my my adrenaline spikes, my body's humming, I can't sit still. The only difference now is that at this point, the story I'm telling myself, the mental perspective I bring to it is like, yeah, this is what you do when you get ready to perform. Your body ramps up and you get ready for a show and I no longer freak out about the fact that my heart rate spikes, right? Like, oh yeah, man, it's a whoo, it's showtime, baby. And I label that set of physical reactions as it's excitement. Like this is going to be great. Yes. I'm going to have a blast. I'm having the same physical reactions as the guy next to me who could label it as like, I'm terrified. I'm nervous. Um, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, no, this is how I'm supposed to feel. This is going to be great. It's not that I don't have a physical reaction. It's how I think about my physical reaction. That's right. My kids have a great term for this, which um, they got from My Little Pony, the animated TV series. So uh, you go neuroscience. I'm going to bring My Little Pony to the conversation. <laughs> hey, they're, they're neck and neck. That's pretty much the same thing. So, <laughs> so Pinkie Pie, who I have to say is my favorite character. Um, yes, I've watched <laughs> Okay, wait. The fact that you have a favorite character on My Little Pony. Let's be clear. Just, just say something. Let's be clear. My Little Pony, the magic of friendship is amazing, right? I... I <laughs> It's a great show. I'll take your word for it. I have only watched it with my children, but this is one of those you actually watch. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, only with your children. Sure, okay. Okay, there are there are a group of full-grown men who watch it on their own. They're called bronies, by the way. Like, it's a serious community. It's legit. I am not oh, yes. a full-fledged brony, but I have watched it with my kids. So, right? you know, I'm, I'm on that, okay. I'm on that sure. line. Okay, all right, so I've lost all my credibility. Um, Pinkie Pie calls she made up a word for it and it's genius and the word is this nervous sighted i'm nervous and excited at the same time i'm nervous yes. sighted 
This is the feeling yes. of being on the roller coaster. Tick, 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 tick. And I start like, usually at that point, I'm questioning my life choices, right? Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> what kind of a more, exactly. this is a, I should not have done this, but I'm also like really excited. And that moment when you tip over the edge and now I, I tell my kids and I'm telling you, giving them a word for their feelings. I've got something happening yeah. in me. I don't know what to call it and telling them, oh, no, no, no. You're just nervous-sided. So now my yes. kids use it all the time. And the power of giving it a, a word, instead of you're terrified, you're just getting excited. Like, well, no, I'm a little nervous too. Great, so you're nervous-sided. This is going to be awesome. This is what you're supposed to feel. So my kids, I have uh, they, they theater and they've given presentations for their church. And so they, they end up on the stage a bunch. Um, you know, my wife was a dance minor in college. I was a theater major poor kids, they don't have a chance, right? Like suckers, <laughs> they're putting you on stage. So that right. being said, um, we just started helping them label it and you could visibly see them shift when they're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is nervous sided. This is what it's supposed to feel like. It's going to be good. Um, so that pinky, pinky go, eyes are my little pony. Genius. So maybe this is where the author of uh, the War of Art came up with that they got it from Pinkie Pie. You know, one one of the things that you said is, uh, and something I read recently. Have you have you read the War of Art? Yes, Stephen Pressfield. Okay. So yes. good, great book, great great book. But one of the things he talks about there is, you know, if you are experiencing fear in an area, that should be your true north indicator about the direction you're supposed to head. And I, I don't think it applies every single time, but many of the times it does. Let's, let's look back in some of the most impactful moments of your life mm. that you had that adrenaline, that bit of fear rush to you. When you, you know, asked your girlfriend or your boyfriend out for the first time, oh, yeah. when, when you, you know, get down to propose for marriage, when you, when you actually go get married, when you have your first child, when you have a child, a you know, lot of the, a lot of my career moves, the big ones have been like crazy audacious. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I've not done this before. I, I, th I believe I have the possibility, but now I got to actually put it out there and look somebody in the eye and be like, I can do this for you. Right. I can take your auto shop and grow it into a big yes. thing. And I would say nothing. Pretty sure this is true. Yeah. Nothing great in life isn't going to come with a bit of that adrenaline, sweaty, palm, heart racing moment. Because mm -hmm. if it didn't, is it going to really be worth it? If it doesn't stretch you, if it doesn't cause you to grow, if it doesn't actually get you out of your comfort zone, are you, then you're just moving laterally. And who, who wants to go laterally in life? And, yeah. and so I, I, looking for the thing that's going to actually, I mean, I, I personally believe that the most exciting thing, one of the most exciting things in life is actually experience growth. It's not actually the accomplishment of a goal. It's actually the experience yeah. of the growth as you get towards the goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's me developing in the process and the goal is the, the eventual outcome of all that growth, but the growth was the exciting part. Well, and, and studies have shown, uh, again, another neuroscience thing is that there is more exhilaration, more good hormone and chemical release and the growth in the journey, then actually when you hit the goal, you actually see a drop in dopamine mm. because you've got the goal, you got the achievement. And then all of a sudden you realize now what? So, so your body has to take this lull and reset its dopamine to get you ready for the next set. So it's like kind of the vacation blues. I mean, if you ever came back from vacation, yeah. you wonder why you have the vacation blues. Well, it's because you, you came back from something you accomplished. You were at a dopamine high and now you're resetting. 
And same thing with here is, you know, mm-hmm. it's the growth, man. Be be in a growth mode. I think status quo is the worst word in the English dictionary <laughs> because because if there's any lie, that's it. There is no such thing as status quo. You're either growing or you're dying, but you're not staying the same. Yeah. Um, man, I once was told that the life you want is on the other side of your fear. And like, yes, you, you've got to get through that. Uh, and there's no way around it. Like you do have to go through it. You don't get the lateral dodge. Like, but if you're willing, so what I love about this is what you just did was relabel, redefine these fear moments, right? You said, man, if there's, that's what here's how you say, if I'm, I'm not going to get exactly right, but basically if, it, if I don't have that adrenaline spike, if I don't have that nervous sighted, little bit of fear, a little bit of excitement tangled together, then it's probably not worth it. And what that means is now that becomes this thing of a value signal, right? Like, oh, the things that stir up that kind of nervous sightedness are more valuable yes. because of them, right? Like it goes from a, yes. most people would run away from it. Like, oh no, this could be uncomfortable. I, it m- maybe that's a negative signal. I know a lot of people who explicitly would say that. Yes. told me that yeah. in coaching sessions, right? Like, ah, I'm feeling nervous. That might mean that I'm not, I shouldn't do this. Right. Versus you're saying I'm feeling nervous about it. It's stretching me. That's a good sign. I should do this. Even I should go lean further into this. Absolutely. Cause the worst thing, okay. I don't think it's super controversial, but the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd see in, to me, failure isn't failure. It's learning applied. If I can learn that when I fail, that I'm learning something out of that, that I'm going to learn far more when I fail than when I don't try to do something and try to get all this heavy book knowledge, which I look, I'm a learner and I love to learn, Sure, but I never take what I learn and go apply it. Then I'm not really, I'm not really growing. So I need to grow. You, you set the goal is growth. So failure can serve my goal. Whereas other people will say, maybe the goal is, is not making a mistake or the goal is um, not having any uncomfortable feelings. And you're like, no, 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 no. The goal is growth. Therefore these, maybe some people call them negative. These are actually now positives in your life. Um, they actually- 100%. I, if you can learn to interview those around you when you do fail and learn to <laughs> say, Hey, what, what, what did I do there that, you know, I don't want to do that again what would you have done or what could I have done differently uh, and learn that it's just the inevitable part of success in life. I don't know of anybody that has ever done anything of any merit that has never failed. Uh, and I just, yeah. I mean, the, the, the stories are innumerable about all the ways that people have failed multiple times on the way to what it is that they were looking to accomplish. Yeah. I just, I, I haven't feared it. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I have, I guess early on in life, but I've now learned to embrace it as part of the journey. It's just part of the journey. Yeah, man. Yeah. And and I, I'll say this, I have a very parallel story. I mean, the details are different, obviously theater construction, but, um, I, I remember the, how many, how many, how many ditches did you have to dig when you're on stage? Yeah. So we sang a song about that once it was, uh, it was really grueling. I, uh, had a really yeah, high note, so I almost broke yeah, a sweat. Yeah. It was great. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So I would say what has happened is it went from being for me, and I wonder if this is true for you. It went from being a negative I was willing to endure to grow 
to something that I could manage to, in an odd way. I mean, I don't want to sound like twisted or weird, but like it's enjoyable for me to be stretched, to be uncertain. It's it's actually pleasurable when I find out I've messed something up and I now know how I can make it better. Like I don't, it's not only pleasurable, right? I don't like messing up, but but I also like the learning so much that that rush of insight that comes out of that is legitimately pleasurable for me to be out on the edge, stretching, messing up and learning. What used to be negative is literally a positive right now. Is that parallel yes. for you as well? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And it's not that there aren't intense emotions. I think it's entirely the way I label and view those, those emotional experiences. And I see the value in them so much. Uh, it's, it's a totally different way of approaching learning and growth. Yeah. And I, and I think if you don't have that perspective, you just won't, I just don't think you'll get to where it is you're supposed to go. If you can't overcome the fear of it, mm. you know, you, I'm sure you've heard this is that fear is an acronym for false expectations appearing real. Ooh, and, good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there's, that's an excellent definition, false expectations appearing real. Mm. And the fact of the matter is it takes the same amount of faith to believe something's going to go good as the same amount of faith to think it's going to go wrong. Yeah. So if you, yeah. if you can just get your faith muscle and your belief muscle into the right direction and to just start believing that it's going to go good. And sometimes Scott, it just takes saying it to yourself. Yeah. You know, maybe your brain isn't programmed or naturally bent towards thinking positive. I grew up with family members like that where they did not, that yeah. was not their natural bent. But if you can change your, your natural language to speak positive, to speak life. You might not even believe it. You know why you don't believe it? Because it's not written in your database. Mm. So, but so if you want it written in your database and you've got the code that's external to your database, well, how do you do it? You start programming your database with the truth or with belief or with positivity. Yeah. And eventually what you don't feel, you'll actually program into yourself and begin to feel. Yeah. And so yeah. feelings follow our thoughts, right? Feelings are our physical reaction to the thoughts we believe. So yes, it starts by seeding the thoughts, which I'll have to say come there's, there's a corollary to that. Um, one of the more powerful statements I've learned, I can't remember who said it. It was a powerful quote. It said basically don't believe everything you think. Yes. Just that you have a negative thought doesn't mean that you have to own that thought, right? You get to if you have this battle of negativity, you can say, okay, well, I acknowledge that thought happened in my head, but that doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean that's my, my negative person because I had a negative thought. Like I can be like, okay, that one's not true. Instead, I'm going to replace it by thinking, uh, uh, making a true statement to myself. And so you can deliberately kick out certain thoughts and say, I'm not going to give you mental space. And I'm going to kind of underline and make room for these thoughts and kind of repeat them. So yeah, we get to load the the database. So then when it's time yeah, to it's, run calculations, what do you know? Different answers pop out because I'm putting in different inputs. Well, have you ever thought, you know, you walk into certain situations and it's automatically your brain thinks something or it Absolutely. wants to do something. It's because our brains are super efficient mm. and if you've done something over and over and over again, it creates the neural pathways that make it easier for you to do that next time because it wants to conserve calories. It wants to conserve energy. It wants yes. to do things that you think are important and it wants you to do it with efficiency. And so there's some of the people that are probably listening to this and say, well, that's easier for you. And it might be right now because we've spent the last 
10, 20 years conditioning our brains this way. But what I would tell them is, you know, don't spend the next 10, 15, 20 years with the same mentality. I think it was Einstein that said the thinking that got you into the problem isn't going to be the thinking that gets you out of it. Yeah. And so if, if you can, it doesn't take long, but if you take the next 90 days and just commit to not allowing the negativity to drive your actions and, but use a positive mental it sounds so hippie, I know, but but if you use it, it's okay, you're from Berkeley, you can say it. <laughs> That's right. That's my, it's my roots. But if <laughs> if you can believe and understand that, you know, more times than not, by a large percentage, uh, good stuff is going to happen. Hmm. Then start saying that until you start actually feeling it and believing it inside yourself. That's good stuff, man. That's really good stuff. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com slash upgrade. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K dot com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long. And it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.